I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Just going to talk about a change that we saw in Teamless yesterday, which was uh, very intriguing and one that I really didn't see coming. I don't hate it, uh, but I just don't understand why on earth Trent Barrett would make changes to his halves now. And this has been a question I've been asking for a couple of weeks. And just to give you a bit of background, I thought we'd go back into the archives a little bit and just talk about Canterbury's last 18 months. Now, they've signed some unbelievable players. Yeah, they've signed some great players. But here we are at the end of round four, and we've got the same fucking issue. And we've got the same issue that we spoke about all last year. You need a halfback. You need some direction. Now, when we go back... Just over 12 months ago to the start of last season, the Bulldogs, they managed to sign Matty Burton, which was a great signing, a future star. He then went on to win the Dallium Center of the Year Award. He absolutely brained it for the Penrith Panthers, won a premiership, killed it in the grand final. If you argued that he should have been the Clive Churchill medalist, I would have disagreed with you, but I would have had him in my top three or four. He was great in the grand final. He proved that he can handle big stages. He was great all season. When he jumped in at the halves, it was, it was good. It wasn't great, let's be perfectly honest here it was good um but it's always hard when you're in a team and you lose key players guys jump into other positions and everything he didn't have a whole preseason sort of working out to play in the halves and everything he'd been playing center for a long time so I wasn't willing to write Matty Burton off off the back of that it was still a great signing he gained a heap of experience it was actually better for Canterbury that he stayed at Penrith instead of going to Canterbury for that year and essentially doing what he's doing now which is playing halves roulette every single week seeing who his partner's going to be and then going from there there's just no continuity in this club and in in this side at the moment and personally if I was Burton I'd be looking around the room and just going you knew I was coming for an entire year what the fuck did you do with that time what did you gain over that year of knowing I was going to be your 5'8", I was going to be your marquee player, you had to work out who was going to be next to me, and I'm sorry, you might have less idea now than when you signed me. This is just ridiculous. Let's go back a year ago when they made that signing and they knew they had a year to prepare 
for him arriving and working out who was going to be next to him. So it was uh, Kyle Flanagan and Jake Avarillo in the halves up until round nine. The Canterbury Bulldogs won one game in those nine games. Uh, they beat the Cronulla Sharks. We all remember those great scenes. The Doggies boys celebrating. Boys almost in tears. It was great to see. He then decided... Um, that Flano wasn't his guy. At the end of round nine, he moved off him. you got to remember that Flano was the guy they'd signed from the Roosters. He decide, They decided that he was going to be their seven moving forward. They gave him nine weeks, which personally I thought was fair. I think nine weeks is plenty enough time for Flano to show what he's about. He didn't play great football. Let's be perfectly fucking honest here. That whole team didn't play great football, though. I think people that want to pin it on Kyle Flanagan, you, you're just looking for a scapegoat realistically. Uh, so he just Decided he'd move off Flano then. He then went to Avarillo and Wakeham. He stayed with them for about six or seven weeks until round 16. Uh, round 17, then sorry, in round 16, I believe there was an injury to Wakeham or maybe he was dropped. Actually, I'm pretty sure he was dropped. Uh, I can't find exact information on that. But round 16, he went back with Avarillo and Flanagan. They got beat by Manly 66-0. I think that was the Anzac Day game where Manly absolutely gave it to them. They were The Tarovich brothers were trying to hand pass off tries to it other. Um, the next three weeks he went Avarillo and Lewis, so he dropped Flano after that one too. So that's round 16. R- round 15 he had Avarillo Wakeham. Round 16 he had Avarillo Flanagan. Round 17 he had Avarillo Lewis. So in those three weeks Avarillo had three different halves partners. I will just remind you as well that of those four guys that played in the halves, the only one that played in all three of those games isn't a halfback, yeah? But last year, it looked evident that Trent Barrett had made the decision, Jake Avarillo is my guy. He isn't a halfback, but I'm going to put the time and effort into turning him into a halfback because I think he's the best guy for the job. Back end of the season, Avarillo gets injured with about three or four weeks to go, and you've got a carousel of Wakeham, Lewis, Beyond Iodo, Flano uh, to close out the season playing in the halves. So we get to the end of season 21. Season 2021, the Canterbury Bulldogs obviously pick up the wooden spoon. Very disappointing season. The Panthers and Matt Burton going to win the premiership. Burton dominates during that final series. Absolutely kills it in the grand final. One of the true superstars of rugby league now, Matt Burton, walking into this side to play 5-8. In the meantime... They've signed a host of other guys. They've signed Tavita Pangai Jr., who's just come out of the Penrith Panther system that won that premiership as well. They signed Josh Addo-Carr. They signed Max King. They signed Paul Vaughan. They signed Matt Dufty. A heap of other pieces coming together that look like this side is going to be great. Is going to at least pull themselves out of the bottom four and contend for a finals appearance. The problem always remained, though, who was going to play halfback. And at this point, it looked like Jake Avrilo was the guy. And as I said all offseason, personally, I would have gone Flano because you've got Burton walking in, who is a real old-school six. He is... He's not your Batman, he's a Robin. He's a Robin six. You need a Batman to stand next to him. It's forced Matt Burton to sort of step up a little bit, and he has played really well. His kicking game has been sensational, a lot better than what I expected. But we start with Avrilo. Round one, it's Avrilo and Burton. Um, they win that game against the North Queensland Cowboys up there. So they start their season 1-0. and All things considered with Canterbury over the last few years, that is a huge win to go to North Queensland and win in your first game. It wasn't pretty. They won that one 6-4. They won it by two points, yeah? They're 1-0. A great start to the season. Avrilo and Burton, they've still got a lot to work on. They've still got a lot of improvement in them. It's blatantly obvious. Uh, they've never played together. Avrilo isn't a half. Burton hasn't played 5-8 in over a year. It's obviously 
obviously going to take time. And as we said all off-season, Avarillo especially, if you're going to give him the seven jersey, you've got to give it to him until origin, at least until the time that you gave it to Kyle Flanagan for the year before, which was until round nine, which I think is a fair amount of time for him to start to gel with not only his new 5'8", but his entire new team. You think about the team that Avarillo's running out with, he's got a new fullback, he's got two new centers, he's got a new winger, he's got new front rowers, he's got new back rowers. There's new guys all the way through this team that Avarillo's got to get used to. He's also still got to get used to playing his position. Uh, he's now he's also got to get used to playing his position with another new guy next to him. He's sort of finding his way as well into this game. As much as Burns a superstar, um, he's 21, 22 years old. He's very young. He's very raw. He's extremely talented. But being extremely talented at centre is a lot easier than being extremely talented at 5'8". Being extremely talented at centre in one of the best teams of the modern era is very different to being extremely talented at 5'8". In, I, I hate to say, but one of the worst teams of the modern era. Canterbury, they obviously won the spoon last year. Pretty bang average in a year where it was easier to score points than it ever has been. Uh, they couldn't score points. They really struggled. So for me, I don't understand why they wouldn't give them more time. Now, round one, they get that W. Round two, uh, they lose to the Brisbane Broncos by six points. So, when you think about Canterbury's, you know, starts to the season over the last few years and how it's gone, to win round one and lose round two by just six points, uh, mate, I, I think that's a pretty good start to the season, to be perfectly honest with you. We get to round three, and he makes the decision that all of a sudden, Avarillo isn't his guy. Avarillo has been his guy all last year. He picked him alongside three or four guys that genuinely are halfbacks and 5'8s all last year, but Avarillo was the consistent one. Avarillo was his guy throughout the entire season. Avarillo was his guy through the entire preseason. He was the dominant half throughout those trials with Matt Burton. We get to round three. We're going to Brookvale Oval, take on Tom Travojevic and the Manly Seagulls, the top four side from last year, and he makes the decision, hey, this is the week I'm going to play Wakeham. Now, Wakeham has been in the system for three or four years again. Actually, he's been there for heaps long. But in the first grade system, he's been there for three or four years now. He was there as a halfback before Kyle Flanagan was. He was there as a halfback before they even considered Jake Avarillo as a ball player. He was always a center wing fullback. So Wakeham has been in the system for a number of years. And to be perfectly honest with you, it looked to me in the trials like the pecking order went Avarillo, beyond Iodo, Wakeham, then Flanagan. Now, round three, going to play the Manly Seagulls at Brookvale over one of the hardest places to, places to win rugby league games at. He moves to Wakeham. You can also see it is pissing with rain. It is torrential. He moves to Wakeham. Wakeham, who seemingly was third on the pecking order in the preseason. Wakeham, who played a couple of games last year, who's always been a seven, but he never played him at seven last year because he had Avarillo at seven, who he decided was going to be his guy. Um, they lose that game by one point. They lose that game by one point. Wakeham does really well. He scores the first try. A little bit lucky, let's be honest here, but that is wet weather footy. That's what happens. They lose to the Manly Seagulls at Brookvale by, by one point. So I want you to consider this. After round three, they won their first game. They lost their second game by six. They lost their third game by one point. Their third game was at Brookvale Oval against the Manly Seagulls, who were looking for a bounce back, who were desperate to win their first game of the season. So at this point, they're, they're one and two, yeah? I want you to consider this. At the same point last year, uh, they lost round one, 32 to 16 to the Newcastle Knights. They lost round two, 28-0 to the Penrith Panthers. They lost round three, 24-0 to the Canterbury Bulldogs. Heading into round four last year, 
They lost that game 38-0 to the Canterbury Bulldogs. At the end of round four last year, they were 0-4. They didn't have a win. And their four and against was minus 106, conceding on average just over 25 points per game, which is just crazy. Sorry, losing by an average of 25 points per game, which is ridiculous. You spend all preseason getting yourself ready, getting yourself primed, with a focus on defense, at least you should. Last year, it was a train wreck, and he stayed with Flano until the end of round nine. This year, we get to the end of round four. They go down to Melbourne. This is Wakeham's second game. He's gone to Brookvale. He's handled himself pretty well there. They've lost by one point. You can wear that. That's okay. Go to Melbourne the week after, and this is Wakeham's second game with Avarillo. They get beat 44-0, which for me, if you actually look in the context of the game, I don't think it was as bad as 44-0. The Melbourne Storm were the better team. They're the team, remember, they last year almost broke the record for most wins in a season ever. Canterbury got the spoon. Kind of a result you expect to happen, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought that Melbourne scored a lot of tries that essentially came off Canterbury's errors. Um... Canterbury's probably making a heap of errors because they have to wear name tags around to get used to each other, especially in the halves because they haven't played together. They haven't spent that much time training together and they're still working out their combinations because it's round four and you're already onto your second halves combo and Avarillo's not in the ten, not in the halves when he was your guy all last year. He was the guy that you decided was going to part of Burton. He was the one. After two games, you decided to change him after he won the first game and lost the second game by six points. And then here we are at the end of round four. Wakeham has come in for the last two games. They played Manly at Manly. They lost that by one point. They played Melbourne in Melbourne. They lost 44-0. I mean, is anyone shocked by that? Did anyone think they were going to go down to Melbourne and beat the Melbourne Storm? Let's be perfectly fucking honest here. And he makes the decision to drop in for Kyle Flanagan. So now we've got Flanagan and Burton running out together. Uh, Flanagan and Burton didn't play a single minute next to each other in the trials because Flanagan seemingly couldn't get anywhere near this footy side. He goes into the New South Wales Cup tournament. The Canterbury Bulldogs are still undefeated as it stands. Uh, Wakeham did really well the first few weeks, but Flano was the better player the entire season for me. He's been better in New South Wales Cup so far this year. He still went with Wakeham instead. Put him up there. He's given Wakeham two weeks. He's put him up against two of the hardest teams in the competition. They've lost both of them one by one, one by 44. I mean, probably better than what Canterbury would have done last year, let's be honest here. Um, And now he's dropped Wakeham. Wakeham's now the 14. He's now a reserve hooker. Uh, when Beyond Iodo had been playing that role with Jeremy Marshall King, who, by the way, Jeremy Marshall King has been their best player so far this season, in my opinion, and he cut his minutes by about 15 minutes the other night for Beyond Iodo, who's now out of the team, and Wakeham, who you didn't have in the team, and then you decided he's the guy to lead us at seven, is now your reserve hooker. Coming off the bench, and Kyle Flanning's in, and guess who they play This weekend, the Penrith Panthers, the defending premiers, the only undefeated team in this competition. And this is the week that Trent Barrett says to Kyle Flanagan, hey, you've been working hard. We're going to give you an opportunity. Here's Nathan Cleary and the Penrith Panthers. What the fuck is going on at Canterbury? How on earth are they in this position? How on earth is Matt Burton standing around? This is going to be his third halves partner in five weeks. His third halves partner in five weeks. And Avarillo was the only one in preseason they ever let him play against, play with in trials. So he's literally forming a combination with these guys midweek to try and get a W on the weekend. They've played the 
the Manly Seagulls, the Melbourne Storm, and the Penrith Panthers. Is there a worse possible time to say to Matt Burden, hey, we're going to change your halves pairing again. Let's see how this one goes. These aren't teams that you experiment against. This isn't the start of the, the part of the season where you start to experiment with what's happening. Avarillo at halfback, who you decided was your guy the entire preseason, won his first game and then lost his second game by six points. He didn't get smashed in either of those games. You then moved to Wakeham and you lost to, Bro- to, to Manly at Brookvale by one point, which for me, pretty fucking good result. There, that game was there to be won by you guys. Probably combinations cost you a little bit there in the driving rain down there. And Wakeham played well. You then go to Melbourne and apparently it's the halfback's fault all over again. The thing that shits me the most is that Trent Barrett was a halfback and was a really fucking good halfback. He should understand that what he's doing to the guys in his team, he's making them worse. He is doing his own club, his own players, a disservice. And at what point is Matt Burton going to turn around and look around the room and go, what the fuck is happening? How on earth am I meant to learn this new position or a position I haven't played in quite some time in new structures, in a new team, with less superstars around me at the age I'm at, when you don't even give me the same guy to play next to for more than two weeks in a row? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, after they play the Penrith Panthers, guess who they play the week after in round six is the Good Friday game against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, Damian Cook. Looking earlier, starting to find his feet now. Cam Murray, one of the best teams in this competition. And that's going to be, hopefully, Kyle Flanagan's second game after you would have to assume they get slapped by the Penrith Panthers this week. Canterbury's at $7 to beat the Penrith Panthers. Panthers are at $1.10. They've only had their team together for one week. And then they have to go and play the South Sydney Rabbitohs the week after, which... To be honest with you, I think they're going to lose both of them convincingly. They're going to be absolutely shattered. Is Trent Barrett going to stick with Kyle Flanagan? History tells me he probably won't. He'll probably change it as soon as he can. And then they play the Brisbane Broncos, a game they should win, but it's up there in Suncorp. That's not going to be easy, and the Broncos will be up for this one. They've been having a shit-ass time. They'll look at Canterbury as a game they can genuinely win. Round eight, they then play the Sydney Roosters, and then they have to go to Canberra. I mean, at some point, did anyone look at this draw and go, is this the best time to fuck around and chop and change with our halves. What on earth is Phil Gould doing? Is he not getting in the ear of Trent Barrett? Is he is he allowing this to go on essentially so he can sack Trent Barrett in a couple of weeks? I don't... I cannot work out for the life of me what on earth is going on here. In a perfect word, I, I'm a huge Flano fan, yeah? I always have been. I'll never hide away from that. I want him to come out this weekend. I want him to beat the Penrith Panthers. Do I see it happening? No, I don't. I want it to happen. Don't get me wrong, but I can't see it happening. I also can't see this Doggies team beating the Bunnies either, who has had a tough start to the season. They're galvanized. They are they're match-ready, the South City Rabbitohs. They, yes, their record isn't great, 
but they've been playing 10 times better footy than the Canterbury Bulldogs. And you can see their halfback, Lachlan Elias, who looked a little bit lost at the start of the season. It took him four or five weeks, and all of a sudden he takes on Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai, and he's the best halfback on the field last week because he was given time in his position. He was given a bit of time to understand his role and to grow into his role. And that's going to pay dividend for the South Sydney Rabbitohs over the next few weeks. Canterbury, I'm sorry, if the halves in three weeks' time are still Flano and Burton, I will give it away. I guarantee you Trent Barrett will make another change over the next three weeks because they're going to get slapped by the Panthers. They're going to get slapped by the Bunnies. Scoreboard pressure, like it did with the Melbourne Storm game at 44-0, is going to rattle the living shit out of Trent Barrett. Then we're going to see more changes to these halves, and it's just going to continue going down this spiral. What is going on over there? I don't understand how this is happening. I don't understand what Trent Barrett is doing. And as I said, I hope he's right. I hope Flano comes out and brains it. But you have shown no confidence in Flano whatsoever. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He said he's low on confidence. He doesn't know what to do. All of a sudden, Trent Barrett throws him a bone against the Penrith Panthers and hopefully the South Sydney Rabbitohs if he gets two weeks in a row, which I'm really not confident he will. Wakeham's been a bulldog for so many years. He's been there for ages. You've never really fancied him. You always fancied Avarillo over him. We get two weeks in and all of a sudden, Avarillo, you want him to play center. He's not a halfback anymore. Can you imagine the amount of reps they've wasted on Avarillo working with Matt Burton in the preseason? We get to round two and you scrap it completely. You move in a different direction. The different direction you move in, you don't like that after two weeks. So you move in another direction, which is the guy that a year ago you said was going to be the future of the club in the seven, Kyle Flanagan. He was our guy. You didn't even play him in trials this year. You didn't even play him in trials. All he's done is play cup footy. He sat on the bench in trials until the last eight or so minutes in all those games. I mean, I just... uh, Maybe I'm overreacting, and I'm sorry, Canterbury fans, if I'm sort of getting stuck into your team, but fuck, tell me you're not frustrated. Tell me it's not annoying you watching how this is playing out. I just can't work out what on earth Canterbury are doing. I can't work out what Trent Barrett is doing, and I cannot work out how Phil Gould is allowing this to happen unless his entire plan is centered around just let Trent Barrett dig his own grave. We can fuck him off and then we can move on elsewhere. God knows what on earth is happening here. I just can't work it out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.